Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 72, 73, 74, and 75 of Carry On. <clears throat> so, chapter 72, Simon. Simon is running away from the Pitch Estate. Uh, both the flaming forest and the now dead spot. Uh, but he's not wearing shoes and it's still snowing. <laughs> so once his magic comes back, he conjures up some red dragon wings. Because why the fuck not? And takes to the sky. Uh, 73, Penny. Simon shows up at Penny's house in a fugue state, essentially. Freaking her and her family out because he is dirty, unresponsive, and somehow has red wings and a tail. And is glowing. Oh, and is glowing. No one is able to spell Simon's wings away, so they clean him up and leave him with Penny. Chapter 74. Simon wakes up with only the vaguest memories of how he got to Penny's. He sort of magics away his wings and tail, and Penny lets him know that everyone now knows about Bass's home being a dead zone, and like all of the magical adults are freaking out. Simon and Penny are just hanging out when Baz arrives because Baz has a theory that Simon and the Humdrug are connected vis-a-vis whenever Simon goes off, another magical hole is created. Simon thinks that they should tell the mage, and Baz is like, the fuck we are. Chapter 75, Baz does not want to go to the mage. He wants to go to the Nupties because he hasn't forgotten why this whole Scooby-Doo adventure started in the first place, to find out who killed his mom. Yep couple things before we start we just keep getting more and more lovely reviews and we really love it so we're going to continue thanking our lovely reviewers so thank you to carolyn 763589 and to live019 who we just want to give you some effusive love uh i think jesse's gonna read your review i am in fact going to read your review i hope you don't mind learning to be proud The first time I read Carry On, I was super in the closet and didn't even finish the book. However, I discovered this podcast and binged the entire book series and podcast in a week. I'm still learning to accept myself as a queer person, but this helped me so much. I love this show. I love hearing from queer adults that I can be happy one day. Everyone needs this podcast. About to cry again. Yeah, I... I definitely was, I think we both just had a string of crying emojis about this. <laughs> yeah, just, just texting them back and forth to each other. Oh. It's so beautiful. It makes me so happy. And you know, Liv, I know, you know, you've maybe, you're still on your journey of discovery and we're rooting for you. Yep. Your queer parental figures are on your side. Hell yeah. Forever. Um, all right, so then other reminder, 
we're not spoiling anything from the sequels yet, but when we do get to the sequel, the next book, we will be spoiling everything. So make sure you read both books by the end of October, which is when we'll be finishing Carry On. So you have you, ha- you have some time, you know, uh, request at, th- at your library. Maybe treat yourself for Halloween. If you have, if you have a birthday because you are a, any of our Virgos, you should ask for it for, <laughs> ask for those, mm-hmm. ask for the books for your uh, upcoming birthday. Anyway. And excitingly, Jesse and I have both now read Anyway the Wind Blows and by popular request, we are going to be recording like a mini sort of overall book feelings episode for Patreon. So if that's something you're interested in, consider joining us on Patreon so that you can listen when we make it. And if you are interested in having some spoiler-filled discussion, if you also become our patron, you have access to our Discord channel. Yeah, you can talk to other people about it. And us. Well, and Jesse. <laughs> <And laughs> I'm not going to make any claims <laughs> about being on Discord. But You can talk to me at random hours of the day and night because I am always on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that, we will enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, I don't remember if we've discussed this in earlier episodes, but confirmation that Father Christmas is not real, but the Tooth Fairy is. And probably as sort of horrifying as the concept of the tooth fairy is i'm sure very creepy yeah totally um we have actually heard that before i think it was pretty early on in the book and i actually think it's really interesting that simon repeats this to himself here it feels like a moment of him like grounding himself almost like is this sort of like a a chant that Simon does to himself to like ground himself in the moment of like being a magical person or something like that. Maybe, especially with someone who like didn't grow up being a magical person. I mean, without realizing he was a magical person, I should say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think in the context earlier in the book, he's talking to Penny and he's like, there should be a book about this or something. And she's like, you're the only person who would need that book. Yeah. Which also still seems sus to me, but whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I did. I I just thought it was like really interesting that 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 came up here. I was like, this is saying something about Simon that he's like flying away from a disaster and is like, Father Christmas isn't real. The Tooth Fairy is. Yeah, especially since he's in sort of this very weird, traumatized headspace that he is in. Yeah. So Priya has a real bad Christmas. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> The description of how Simon looks when he shows up at her fucking front door and she's expecting Santa and instead she gets like a literal demon. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's freaked out and just Oh god. The fact that he's glowing, I think, is what takes it just over the top for me. I don't know how I didn't edit in my notes, but yeah, you're right. He is literally glowing. It's just like Like he's glowing like was it red and orange or something or yeah, like, and, like, it's described, I think, as being, like, flickery. Like, he's literally on fire. <laughs> just, it's so much. She's going to be scarred for life. Yeah. Speaking of Priya, I don't remember if it's who's, who mentions Penny and all of her siblings having 
their name starting with P mm-hmm. and how criminal it is. Um, and I have to say that that this past year I've done a lot of kind of work dealing with the public and assisting the public and kind of getting people to tell me information about like their families and stuff. And more people than you would think have done like do this. To which I am like, but why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my step siblings has I honestly actually don't know how many kids she has. It's at least three, but I think it's four and they all have A names. And it's just I don't know why I'm like It's 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 weird. Weirdly cutesy. It's like you do know that your children are someday gonna be adults that have to talk about this, right? It's like uh it's like dressing your kids in matching clothes, but matching clothes that they can't, you know, they can't ever stop doing matching clothes even when they're adults because it's their names. I mean, not that you can't change your name, but yeah. most people don't. So Yeah. I know. I think it's I think it's still not as bad as people who do this to twins, where it's like twins are their own people. You really should give them not matchy matchy cutesy names. Cause all right, again, they're mm-hmm. gonna be adults and be like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's pretty weird yeah but also hilariously penny's parents are like that which seems kind of like you know her parents are full of surprises i feel like yeah i just feel like cutesy is not a word i would describe mentally <laughs> no i, I know. maybe she like named Primal and Penelope and then was like and not really thinking about the P thing and then was like you know what that's cute and just kept going I don't know yeah anyway anyway yes um Priya (laughs) Priya says that maybe Simon evolves like a Pokemon (laughs) I have that written down is one of my favorite lines in these like string of chapters and I'm like She's not wrong, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so, so good. It made me so happy. Uh, Yeah, and I feel like I can't, we can't really go much more into that without being spoily for the rest of the series, but I mean, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. People are not so spoiler free that they haven't seen the covers for the next two books in which simon still has wings so yeah i don't think it's a spoiler yeah that's fair i mean the pokemon thing actually was the next thing oh uh i do i don't know why i found found this really funny but just penny you know penny's normally swearing she says like great snakes and then she says for heaven's snakes It's just too funny. It just makes me laugh. Yeah, I noticed that too. It is really funny. <laughs> um, okay, actually, I just have this one last point here, but it's sort of a long point. Okay. I just really love the friendship that Baz and Penny have developed. You know, we see them just like really vibing when they're figuring out the Simon Humdrum thing. They just get it. They are bouncing ideas off of each other just picking up what the other person is laying down just immediately and i just think it's really beautiful i really like it it is really lovely i especially love how impressed baz is with penny's dad's office and 
how he uses that as a way to sort of underhandedly compliment Penny. Oh, yeah. I feel like he wouldn't normally. Yeah. I feel like I re- actually I, I have that as one of my parts of just like how really funny where he like walks in and he's just like yep see where it all comes from <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> with the chalkboard and the like intense list and the, yeah maps everywhere with string and pens yes yep little little labels little labels too it sounds great honestly it sounds like a, a wonderful a wonderful office yeah um, and then I just really love how you know. <laughs> I like that we get the chapter from Simon's perspective so that we both get to see Baz and Penny from the outside and, you know, see how just proud of themselves they are for figuring this out. And also we get to see Simon's internal state of like, they're just nerding out about the fact that I am ruining the world of mages. <laughs> they're just, they're just being dorks like just super stoked about it and he's like what the fuck and i just think it's great yeah they get really caught up in like the figuring out it's like oh yeah and it makes sense if you put it together you're like and someone's like this is my life yeah (laughs) yeah (sighs) yeah all right that's yeah that's my last thing what else do you have uh all right so i guess i just i honestly just have one more thing which is a brief shout out to pacey bunce who is too angsty for his own good to be like both father christmas and god is a lie and i'm like (laughs) you angsty little motherfucker i love it i feel like when i was a young person me and pacey would have been such good (laughs) (sighs) yeah just shouting god is a lie at people for absolutely no reason just what a little asshole i love it yeah yeah i'm like bless your little goth heart Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. Who do you want to start with? I have Simon first, mostly just about this first appearance of his wings and tail. Yeah, so uh, this is the, the first instance of Simon magicking himself some dragon wings and tail, which he doesn't even, like, it's sort of subconscious. He's like, I don't mm-hmm. know why they're dragon rings but i'm going with it okay cool and (sighs) bless simon's little heart he's just always ready to he's always just trying to be battle ready i think Mm -hmm. and i feel like this is part of it this is part of the way that it's manifesting i feel like yeah definitely and maybe also a little bit like him thinking about the dragon because like that is the first time he had like pushed so much magic into Baz was when there was an actual dra- and like maybe this is all this getting like you know Baz and the dragon and the magic just getting kind of like swirled around in his brain where he's just like yes this is what I need this is why it's all this is why I was thinking about that dragon and this is mm-hmm, why I now mm-hmm. have a dragon wing <laughs> and a dragon tail yeah that's interesting because I mean I think we seeing simon in this state 
is really interesting. We've seen him freaked out before, but this is far and away the most freaked out he's ever been. Mm -hmm. And actually, I don't know, maybe you can help me figure it out. There's something about his line where he tries to go back over to put the fire out and he can't because it's a dead zone. And he says, I'm made of magic and there's no magic here anymore. And something about, I don't know, there's something about him being like, I'm made of magic that feels important in that moment. Like a dissolution of self, maybe? Yeah. Which I think makes sense because all of the things that he's doing in that moment are, I think, as everyone has told him, should be literally impossible Mm -hmm. in the like magic system that he is in. Like, he's just making shit up out of thin air to happen, you know? Yeah. And taking an incredible amount of power for him to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I think, I guess it's hard to say if it's like, there's sort of a connection between the sort of like disassociation that's happening here with the amount of magic that he is using or like focusing on the magic is the only thing that's kind of keeping him going at this moment. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that the humdrum has also just like really really fucked with his head a lot in terms of you know so he sees this thing that's his like arch nemesis and it looks like him so it's essentially stealing a part of his identity and then using him for his magic and then he does this thing with Baz where he accidentally heals him because he's dumping so much magic and then it just it feels like Simon has lost him his his edges yeah yeah yeah. and in this moment it's just like where where is the delineation between me and and my magic because he's also talking about how it's like coming up the back of his throat like it's just taking over his body yeah which sounds awful yeah honestly yeah it to be honest it sounds a little bit like having a really bad trip (laughs) or like being too high you're like almost on the edge of anxiety because you're like you're just too high Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean having all of that magic that he knows that he only sort of has the tenuous grasp on but it has such a firm grasp on him yeah 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 Yeah. thinking about it like that it feels like when you're having a like full-on panic attack and your brain is coming at you with you know count every green thing in the room do four and four breathing while you're hyperventilating you know all of the things that you're supposed to do when you're having an anxiety attack and you're like this is literally the least helpful fucking thing like the anxiety has full control and your idea of controlling the anxiety is so it's like a fucking drop in a puddle you're like what's that even gonna do yeah like (laughs) no power in the verse can stop this anxiety (laughs) right now right it's like i'm just here for the ride it's just i mean yeah um I just thought, and maybe you have this somewhere else, the part about him just, like, being totally complacent about the fact that the mage might kill him. Oh, I actually didn't have that anywhere else. Uh, Yeah, he just real chill is like, yeah, I'll help you find your mom later if I'm still alive, if the mage doesn't decide just to end me because I'm the fucking humdrum. Well, I guess I can't. uh, I feel two minds of that, I guess. One is that... 
Of course, Simon thinks nothing of sacrificing his life for, like, the greater good, as it were, because that is exactly the kind of shit that the mage has taught him. Right, he's been raised to do that. Yeah. And my other, my, and my other mind is that, like, a little bit, not like quite like suicide ideation, but kind of like, and then it can be over. And I won't have to think that, about it. like, what did we call it? The chosen one death complacency, something yeah. like that, where you just have to, in order to be a chosen one, you just have to be at peace with the fact that you might die at any moment. Whenever we talked about that. It was a while ago. I'm like, which podcast? Which chosen one? <laughs> <laughs> it was Simon. It was Simon. Because we were talking about the difference between Simon's attitude towards dying and Baz's. Mm. Uh, who else do you have here? I have Baz, but we kind of actually already sort of talked about him and Penny solving the mystery of the humdrum. Which I feel like considering all the things that happens in these like last few chapters, like, I feel like a little bit gets lost in the like, hey, we figured it out. When it's like, oh, other things happen next. Yeah, it's one of the, I mean, I think that's one of the really, you know, excellent writing pieces of this because things really don't happen in the neat little sort of boxes that writing often wants them to. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, it's like, cool, we figured it out. But all of these other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually really love that Baz is like, yeah, whatever. You're the humdrum. We have to solve my mother's murder what the fuck is wrong with you yeah that makes sense yeah it's very soft mm-hmm. i mean it is very much like cool yeah we can figure this out later but also my mom and it's like yeah you're right we have not mentioned talked about finding about figuring out who your mom's killer is in several chapters right um i also really love how soft he is with simon when he first gets there this sort of little moment that they have in the stairwell while they're following penny up mm-hmm. to the office yeah is very 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 sweet also it's like our other arrangement Simon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. and i just have one thing about penny which is that i had such big fond feelings towards her about the fact that it didn't even cross her mind to be afraid of Simon when he is a literal demon lying on her doorstep. Everyone else is freaking out and she's just like, Simon is in need. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like collapsed and barely conscious. Like, yeah, I'm good for Penny for, right, I am the prize of like something clearly terrible is happening and it's not the terrible thing you think is happening. Yeah. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Uh, I only have one thing, which is Penny's freaking out because the old families have started a council of war, mm-hmm. which sounds pretty horrifying, mm-hmm. but then nothing ever comes of it. But I'm also like, I want to know more about what that is, I guess. Mm. I mean, nothing comes of it because Simon's about to kill the mage, right? Yeah. And everyone can be like, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. for." <laughs> yeah. It's kind of wild how fast the conclusion of this book comes. Because every, I mean, everything's done by the end of Christmas Day, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? So it's like, we're at like 4 a.m. No, no. And the end of these chapters, it's right. 
It's late afternoon, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's late afternoon. I mean, they didn't even have time to, like, finish their council of war before Simon has killed the mage. So probably took the wind out of their sails. They had just enough time to, like, get everyone away from their family Christmases and, like, to whatever ridiculous, fancy... I don't know where... I'm trying to... I don't know. What are words right now? They had to all converge on, like, someone's fancy home in their, like, Mm. ballroom or giant living room to be like, all right, we're going to have this... Everyone's still, like, half in their pajamas. And it's like, (laughs) we got to figure this all out. And then it's basically over. And they're like, oh, the mage is already dead. Never never mind. Yeah. I'm with you, though. It's really interesting to think about what it means to convene a council of war when your society is, like, 75 people. (laughs) But 75 people who have magic. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know what. Obviously, I think potentially a less flashy war than we see in the Harry Potter books. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess if their goal was just to, I guess if they ended up just stabbing a bunch of people or like stabbing the mage or something or just making him disappear, it's not like the police would find out or whatever. Right. So. I guess it would just be the old families against the mages' men would be the war, which sounds like a skirmish. Yeah, I feel like it more, I feel like it would be more like, I don't know, whatever happens in like mafia movies where it's like crime families are warring or Mm -hmm. something like that, you know? It's like a very insular war quote-unquote yeah that makes sense although i uh do agree with the pitches that this very much looks like an act of war yeah i mean having your entire ancestral home and generations upon generations of like a magical place sucked of all of its magic after you've housed the mage's heir yeah uh looks it looks very it's it's yeah Super, it, looks, it looks bad. It looks <laughs> yeah. so bad. Yeah. Uh, um, so, Premal didn't come home for Christmas. And I just realized for the first time that he's our Percy Weasley. Oh, he is. Right? Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I just like that that's a thing. But also, like... Fuck the mage for not... I mean, Pramil's in a fight with his mom, I guess, is why he doesn't come home. Not because, like, the mage didn't let him, presumably. Yeah, I I imagine he did not give any of his lost boys any uh, time off for Christmas. So. The mage? Yeah. Probably not. I don't know. He's doing his own thing right now, the mage, doing a whole yeah. ritually thing. He probably doesn't want them around. That's so. true. But this doesn't necessarily mean that they're all at home, either. No, that's true, because a lot of them might be the same as Primal and be in fights with their families who are like, why? Yeah. Why? Which, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I just wanted to talk about Simon's origin story. Yes. Okay. Because it's it's just so awful. It is so sad. Yeah. And it's it's unnecessary. His orphanage. Like in a it-didn't-need-to-happen way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, unnecessary for the writing or unnecessary, like, the mage shouldn't have done this? I mean, the mage definitely should not have done this. And it just also, 
just you know are like Simon is just such a like tender and just inherently good person which is evidenced by the fact that he was sleeping and he had this nightmare that caused him to go off and he burned down the care home and saved everyone in it i know it wasn't even a choice that he made that's just what he is in his soul is the kind of person who would never accidentally burn down a house without saving everyone in it i know (sighs) also like it's like the majors could have set him up with a foster family is all i'm saying Mm -hmm. but the mage is dumbledore and a traumatized child is easier to mold and control and lead like a sheep to the slaughter than a well-adjusted child. Yeah, you don't want too many adults worrying about your um, intentions and motivations and being like, no, actually, this child needs to be happy and flourish. Actually, can we use this as an opportunity to talk about, because it seems like it would have been really easy to raise Simon himself and indoctrinate him from a young age to do everything that the mage wants him to do. Yeah. Did he get rid of him to increase his origin story, like, legitimacy? Or because he didn't want people to ask what happened to Lucy? I, I mean, I feel like, to be perfectly honest, I... I think the mage thought about Simon hypothetically and not about the realities of raising a child Mm. and was like i don't actually want to fucking change diapers and feed you and shit i mean look at all of the bullshit lucy was doing when he was doing his research like he was doing jack shit yeah to like feed himself like the basic the basic thing and so i just think he was just like i don't want to do this i mean like maybe not like exactly i don't want to do this shit but I mean, definitely he's the Mason's the kind of guy who's, like, too good to change diapers. Mm-hmm. So, even if it is his literal own son. Yeah. I also, now thinking about it, am wondering if he always was planning on getting rid of Simon. Because if he comes in, usurps power, you know, takes over, and then is like, my own son is the chosen one, people are going to be like, uh-huh okay whereas if he's like i found this orphan that's much more viable that's true that's true because yeah especially coming from what a complete douche canoe the mage is everyone been like okay yeah sure davy yeah exactly (laughs) your child is special the only one who could you know (laughs) fucking make a chosen one whatever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah he's the worst he is the worst welcome to caught in a landslide where we rant about stuff all right so i have a have a rant that I actually want to preface is inspired by an interview that I read today. Someone from Vanity Fair like interviewed Rainbow Rowell last month or something about like kind of the whole series in general. So 
whole sort of general series spoilers. Wait, are you about to do spoilers? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not about to. Oh, the art. The article itself has spoilers, or the interview Got has it. has general series spoilers. I am not going to be spoiling anything because what I really want to talk about is there's a bit in the interview where uh, Rainbow Rowell is talking about kind of how hard it it was for her to write Agatha, mm-hmm. but how part of what helped when she was writing this book, and I think maybe even for the other parts of the series, was pulling out sort of how Simon and Agatha were sort of in running parallel to each other in the in the series. And I think I probably would not have caught that. So I read, I read that this morning before I read this chapter. Because like this chapter starts off right after Baz in the last chapter is like, no, you need to run. You need to go now. And Simon creates, like he, right, he creates dragon wings and a tail and is like, on fire essentially and somehow magics himself across the country i don't i'm sorry i did not look up the the geographics between how far away between london and whoever bass house is i'm sure it's across but i'm like i actually did look it up and hampshire is like a county and it's pretty big but i went back in my brain and was like i think agatha and penny are driving for like two hours to get home after christmas right so Simon takes this advice and really just goes all the way with it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, and then we end up seeing this a couple chapters later when Eb warns Agatha to run and she runs to another continent, to the <laughs> opposite end of that continent, you know? And, and away from magic. And away from magic. So, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I think I would not have picked up sort of on the parallels between what's happening in these last couple chapters without having read that interview, which I will send to you. But again, it contains large-ish spoilers for Wayward Son and Any Way the Wind Blows. For folks that still want to remain unspoiled, I would not. I would wait to read that interview fully until you've read all three of the books. But if you've read all the books, it's very good. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to read it. That is really interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of keeping an eye out on that with what is happening with Agatha and Simon in future books. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways you can support the podcast. Um, Today I'm going to talk about Patreon, which we did mention at the top a bit. Um, things that we do on Patreon specifically related to this show is that every episode comes out early and with bonus content in it. You also get access to our Buffy podcast, We Are the Gayers, which is really great, and our Discord, which we mentioned earlier. Also, like, really fun and funny stuff, like Jesse writes fan fiction and really beautiful short stories. And, uh, one time we did a really sexy, dramatic reading of Chapter 61, you know. <laughs> that one <laughs> oh, i forgot about that that was a lot of fun it was so fun <laughs> can i also can i add to this absolutely always yeah. uh so i was noticing i was listening to some other podcast and just fast forwarding through the ads as i think a lot of us do and because we do not have ads uh patreon is one of the largest one of our largest income sources and that means that as opposed to having an extra five to ten minutes of ad space, these episodes are 99% sweet, 
content of uh, Carry On and our other podcast. So you don't have to fast forward through any of the ads, except I guess for this one if you want to. But it's not <laughs> us trying to sell you socks. It's just us saying that you should go to Patreon and give us money and all the cool things you can get in exchange. Welcome to Sends Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Did you find any sexy stuff? Uh, the only sexy stuff that I could find was Bass put his Christmas suit back on <laughs> to show up at Penny's house. <laughs> of course he did. Um, which was was for sexy then and is uh, still sexy. So Yeah. Yeah, that was literally the only thing. I'm like, wow, this is a these are really a not sexy amount of chapters. Yeah. So um, I just found the part where Simon says, "We both stare at Baz. Me because I can't help it. Penny in shock. Noise. Yeah. Even in his super distressed state, Simon's like, oh, God, he's so hot. <laughs> um, but we do have yes, a kiss kill improvise. All right. Okay. All right. Here is our kiss kill improvise, which is number one, Middley Bunce. Number two, Martin Bunce. Number three, Santa. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. So I have chosen Father Christmas in the past. So having been there, done that, I'm going to go ahead and kill him. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, there's not a lot of adults in this chapter, so... No, that's fine. We're, there's not a lot of people in these books where it's, they're going to be repeats. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to kiss Penny's mom. She sounds very hot. And I'm going to improvise with Penny's dad, which I think is going to mean that we're going to just like nerd out together about nerdy stuff. That does sound very lovely. Yeah. And we'll drink like hot cocoa or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Simon has dragon wings. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh... Before he said that he he had managed to conjure some feathery wings, but this time he went, it's all just leather and bones and claws. There's a claw Those, tip. Like, yeah, little things that go at the tippity top of dragon wings. Yeah. Know? What is that like a like a, a spike it called the evolutionary leftovers that like oh, bats yeah. and whales have? Maybe it's like a leftover thumb or something. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Kind of like if you look at a. Well, I mean, bats do have the extra thumb if you look at a bat wing, mm-hmm. which is, I think, what I'm kind of assuming that these wings sort of look like. Yeah, I think dragon wings are modeled after bat wings. Yeah. Does that mean that dragons are mammals? It kind of, kind of depends, because sometimes, because sometimes dragons have four limbs and then wings, so they have six limbs, which is confusing because mammals don't have six limbs. True. <laughs> are they insects? <laughs> who knows and sometimes you have dragons that are basically wervins where they have two legs and then the wings and then mm-hmm. you're kind of like 
are they lizards? Like, are they kind of like birds? They're kind of like, they're kind of like dinosaurs. I mean, birds are reptiles. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the who knows what dragons are? I think it really depends. Um, so yeah, I feel like you could really just throw in whatever sort of animal traits you want into a dragon. Yeah. Um, so we learn a lot about Simon's magic right now, I feel like, in these chapters. Mm-hmm. He, unlike all other magicians, just has to need something, and then he can manifest it. And I'm honestly curious about why that's not sort of across the board how magic works. Mm. Like, why they need tools and spells. Yeah. And kind of if they actually need tools and spells. Yeah. Which I think is a good question. I don't know. It's harder to, it's a little bit harder to speculate in this series just because everyone's pretty much like an older teenager. We don't necessarily get them really as kids and kind of like how magic and kids manifests. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's, or maybe that's just kind of the, it only works for Simon because he is drowning in magic, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is another question that I have is that his magic, it seems like, is even looser than general lately. And I wanted to ask you if you think that that's because, uh, like, he's been sharing his magic with Baz and his magic, like, is it like a dam bursting? His magic has always been trying to find a way just out of him. And now it's had that and it's like even more full being like, wait, I want that release valve to be open again yeah maybe especially since right simon's sort of been opening up that sort of release valve more right or i guess if you want to get like really horrifying about it i mean maybe whatever bullshit the mage did when he when simon was still in utero wouldn't be wouldn't have held like the magic like he wouldn't have been able to hold the magic in his body much longer beyond what is Simon like 17 right now 18 yeah right now anyway just because of how clearly just much the mage has like fucked up Simon's own innate magical ability with whatever the fuck bullshit he was doing right you know yeah like he might have like Simon might have already sort of been like the magic was already sort of just like gonna come all out of him anyway Mm -hmm. I have one last little question about this, which is that we learned that the holes started the year that Simon was born, which means that even as an infant, he was somehow sucking up too much magic. And a thought that I had was that, you know, the mage is about to refer to Simon repeatedly as a vessel, as a cracked vessel. And if we think of it that way, if Simon is a vessel that's containing sort of the room for all magic to mm. exist, was the magic when he was an infant sort of expanding to fill the vessel that is Simon? And that's what was pulling it out because he wasn't using magic yet. Hmm. I mean, maybe. Or maybe babies are only capable of having a very small amount of magic. Well, right. But if he's already causing holes. Small holes. Yeah. Yeah, but he's already sucking up more magic than the yeah. the ecosystem can can sustain even before his first time, you know, using magic when he's 11. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess my thinking is that 
you know, he goes off when he's 11, but clearly his life has been pretty rough up to that point. So does he go off for the first time when he's 11? Because that's when his magic bubble has finally been filled. But up until that point, it was like he was just sort of constantly pulling magic into himself until he had as much as he could hold. And then at that point, he starts. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he... Yeah, he was, he he could, like, I guess not not until he was 11 did. Was there too much magic in it? A well can't overflow until there's enough water yeah. to overflow. But you yeah. could pull too much, if, you're, if to fill the well to the top, you had to yeah. pull too much water from somewhere else to dump yeah. into it. Yeah. You would still be. And the water sort of spurts out. Kind of yeah. In a, weird, in a weird crack that you didn't know was there. And you're like, oh, right. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think this is actually a really great segue into. So I completely forgot that Baz, the way that Baz and Penny talk about it, is like a magical like atmosphere and like sort of Simon is just one giant aerosol can burning a hole in the whole layer of magic. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I like our watermelon metaphor better because I feel like it's easier for me to visualize water than nebulous atmosphere mm-hmm. but then i was also kind of thinking about the fact that penny was like yeah when you went off my mom like threw up because because she could feel it and it's like so they're kind of it's like all of them it's sort of like all the mages are like connected by like a mycelium of like magic Ooh, i love that it's so much that I dropped my fidget rack. I know. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, you just knocked all this stuff over. No, this is, I don't remember what kind of rock this is, but this is what I play with in my hands the whole time we're recording. It's great. Yeah, I have, I use that, I do that with the tourmaline. Yeah. No, I fucking love that so much. I know it's hard to think about what the like overdraw looks like with that metaphor, but that sounds so correct in terms of why they all feel it when he goes off and also why they're so the sensory experience of entering a dead zone is so terrible and it sounds like it's essentially trying to suck the magic out of them to correct the dead zone right or it's like you just like or like you just completely cut off from that sort of like network of magic and i don't know i mean they describe it as like a sucking feeling and when the humdrum is creating sort of a temporary dead zone around Simon and Penny that happens previous to this book. I mean, it talks about, I mean, it pulls like viscous fluid out of their pores. I forgot about that. It's disgusting. It's so gross. <laughs> I think something physical is actually happening to them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. What an ex- what, an, what an awesome thought experiment this is. Yeah. I feel like uh, this section has been a real respite in our recent episodes the last episode of this of this show i think is this just fantasy was fully half the episode which was great because it was a sad episode up until that point yeah but to say i don't even remember what we talked about a lot of vampires and mm-hmm. dogs <laughs> anyway um i i think it's so fascinating that mentally casting as you were and back to start on Simon to try and get rid of his wings and tail could 
turn him into a baby. That's just wild. Right? Thankfully, it doesn't. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah. I guess I guess back to start and as you were as, like, a reversal spells, it kind of makes sense if it just, like, if you just age, like, if it, like, de-ages you, like, two hours or something. But the fact that Martin knows that means that someone's definitely been on record for doing that accidentally, probably. I mean, do you think people try to do it as, like, essentially a plastic surgery spell and then someone accidentally turned themselves or someone else into a literal fucking infant? Maybe. It's so wild. Also horrifying. Yeah. God, imagine imagine <laughs> being stuck with the responsibility of, like, raising this child that you have known as a fully formed person. And they're not going to turn into the same person again. They're going to have a completely different upbringing. Right. But then you have to explain it to them at some point. Right? Oh, that's so weird. Also horrifying. Very horrifying. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about one more thing. Which is, so Penny's mom tries to cast some spells on Simon in Hindi, which mm-hmm. she doesn't speak, but her grandmother did. Which I think, I think that's really interesting that there's like an ancestral connection to language and Mm. the power of that specific language yeah because yeah is it like yeah maybe it's just like even though mitley doesn't speak hindi if it was like her grandmother she was probably still around the language enough just like with her family that whatever the alchemy is between you know knowing a language and a phrase and having it be powerful enough would work i guess yeah especially i mean it seems like they talk so much about sort of understanding the nuance of the spell that you're casting being really important to being able to cast the spell Mm -hmm. but i kind of got from this that she doesn't necessarily have the the like requisite information to be able to grasp that nuance but it's like in her you know epigenome or something that language exists and so she can access its power through just the words even though she doesn't have the nuance piece of it i guess i was thinking more that i mean close using it as like a last resort (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of deal and and just like culturally probably knowing the gist or enough of the of the of the nuance to sort of hope that it would work, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Like, I know, like, ten phrases in German from being around my grandma speaking German when I was growing up. That makes sense. This actually brings up a very interesting question that doesn't come up in Wayward Son, rightfully so. But that there are definitely spells in A-A-V-E. And, like... White mages probably would not be able to use those spells. Right. I agree. And I that's part of what I want to talk about this for is because, like, without spoiling it, I want to say we need to put a pin in this so that we can return to it when we talk about Wayward Son, because I think there's a continuity error that is established here that really okay. bothers me in Wayward Son. So I want to make sure that this has been established established okay so that we can talk about it more 
I'm, I'm here for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we will be reading chapters 76 and 77. Uh, this podcast and all our podcasts are a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. If you would like to support us in a way that costs you zero dollars, you should uh, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to podcasts. It help, helps us gain more listeners and puts us up on the charts, which gains us more a bigger audience. And also you'll help more people come to terms with their sexuality. This is true. And have more people who will read this here Carry On series. Mm-hmm. Um, you should also tell all your friends. You can also um, engage with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Gaily Prophet. Check us out. Share our stuff. Yeah. Um, if you do want to financially support us, you can find our merch and our donate button on our website. Uh, you can also donate through Venmo or PayPal, where we're at The Gaily Profit. Also, our website is hashtag ruthless.com. Um, and you can join our Patreon, as we talked about before, which is patreon.com slash The Gaily Profit. Uh, if you want to follow me on the internet, I'm on Instagram at live from Detroit and on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit. I can be found on my website, which is larkmalachi.com or on Instagram at larkmalachi. Uh, the... Music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester and myself. And until next time, Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.